church. How's everybody doing today? Good. I, I just want you to know every time Pastor Randy asks me to do this, I consider it the greatest honor, and I don't take it lightly, and I love it. But I have something a little special for you today. Thanks, guys. Um, I have a couple kids. I've been working with kids for 24 years, kids and teenagers, and then big kids, college kids. And then I'm married to a kid, so lots of kids, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, the one person that's like, yeah, Phil, for sure. Um, so I have a couple kids that every time they know that I'm preaching, they're like, PA, I, I want to preach with you. I'm like, really? And so Colton Conley, one of them, every time, every time, I say, okay, next time Pastor Randy asks me to preach, I'm going to ask you to come up. He said, okay, well, he found out it's this week, and guess what? Guess who's ready to tell you guys something about Jesus? All right, Colton, are you ready? Come on up here, buddy. All right. Come up here where everybody can see you. This table is kind of tall. Tell everybody what your name is. Colton Conley. And Colton, there's something really cool is going to happen after the third service today. What's happening? What are you doing down in that arena? Mutton busting. Mutton busting. Have you, have you ever won a uh, buckle? Yes. Show it to me. There it is. <laughs> you ever won any money mutton busting? Yes. How much? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> uh, How much? $26. That's a good amount of money right there. Okay. So, Colton, are we friends? Yes. Are we best friends? Yes. Okay, good. I'm glad. So you, you've got something in your heart that you want to share with everybody. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, I know that you have a scripture verse memorized. Do you want to tell the church your scripture? Yes, ma'am. Do you want to hold the microphone and do it? Yes, ma'am. Okay, go ahead. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Amen. Amen. Is that, is that Isaiah 55, 11? Yes, ma'am. Okay, well, I love that verse. And you know what I love about that verse, Colton? It says that God's word doesn't go back empty. So does that mean that when God's word is spoken, it has power? Yes, ma'am. Does his word change people's lives? Yes, ma'am. If you, what would you tell all these people about God's word? You can go ahead and tell them. Under the earth is where... The devil is, and above the earth is where God is, and uh, God want, and Jesus wants all of us in his life. That's right. And can you look at these people and tell them that God has a plan for them? God has a plan for you. Do you believe that? Yes. Okay. Well, then you know what? I believe. <laughs> I, I believe that every time we speak the word, we should also pray. Do you believe that? Yes, ma'am. Are you prepared to pray for us today? Yes, ma'am. Okay, do you need to tell everybody? I'll hold the microphone so you can take off your hat. Will you tell the gentlemen to remove their hats? Tell them. Please remove your hats. Please remove your hats. Okay, he's going to pray for us. Will you all bow your heads? Okay, go ahead, Colton. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that your word has power in it, that it doesn't come back empty. Please help us to understand 
the power of your word that we may live it out in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> I, have, I have one more question for you. Do people have to wait till they're all grown up to serve Jesus? No. No. And tell me what you said when you get into fifth grade, which is like basically all grown up in case you didn't know. Um, what are you going to do when you get into fifth grade? I'm going to be the team leader of uh, the VBS. Vacation Bible School, y'all. The team leader. And what are you going to lead? What did you tell me you were going to lead? You remember? Worship? Worshiping. That's right. That's right. Okay. Can you guys give the young Pastor Colton a hand? You could either go sit with Mr. Caleb or go sit with your mom and dad. Thank you, buddy. Don't jump off the stage. Every time. Every time. <laughs> okay, let me tell you, Colton, I love how honest kids are. And it's always funny until they're honest to you. Do you know what I'm saying? When they're like, well, let me just tell you what I think. And you're like, oh, wow. Um, Colton, Colton, do you lie? No, because you get in trouble if you lie, don't you? Okay, so kids are super honest. And I, I was thinking about um, a memory. It's a core memory for me with, as a parent with my children. And I want to go ahead and say that not all core memories are pleasant, right? Um, some core memories, like, you think about them 30 years later, and you're like, ooh, that was awkward, and that was weird. This is one of those moments. Um, my, I have two children, a son and a daughter, and they're two years apart. And this particular Christmas, my daughter got a kitchen for Christmas, a little kitchen. But for whatever reason, everywhere was sold out of the pots and pans and the little plastic fruit and vegetables and stuff. And Toys R Us, y'all remember Toys R Us? These kids don't even know what they're missing out on, on not having Toys R Us. I'm like, y'all don't even know. That was the place. But um, Toys R Us didn't have any. Walmart didn't have any. And so it was a day or two after Christmas, and my, my friend called, and she said, Amber, because her daughter had gotten a kitchen set too. She said, Walmart got in a shipment, and I think it was supposed to be for the holidays. So they've got this big pallet of all this like the kitchen pots and pans and the food, and it's all marked 60% off. I said, well, I'm heading to Walmart. So I throw my kids in the car. We're going to Walmart. We're on a mission. Now, this was back when Walmart didn't have McDonald's. They had the, the snack bar with the healthy nachos and hot dogs and all the things like that. Y'all remember that time? Okay, so with two small children, I had to be strategic, and I knew I needed to get a couple of things in the grocery section. So I parked in the grocery section side, Went in there, was going to cut across to the toys, come back, get what we need, get home in time for a nap, okay? Like, I had a plan. And as we, I've got both the kids in the car. They are happy. They know what we're there to do. They know we, and they know we're not asking for anything else. We're not shopping. We are on a mission. And I'm pushing them in the car. And we're going through the middle of Walmart where it's completely open. Why is that significant? Because when it's completely open, there's nowhere to hide, and I have two children that don't realize that there's people listening to them. And I see this man leaning over the jewelry counter, eating the nachos. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not a small girl. I know that, okay? I'm not being judgmental about what I'm about to say. But in person, in real life, other than the internet, I've never seen someone this large. He was pushing probably close to 800 pounds. I mean, I've never, I've never 
never seen anybody like that. And he was like really, really tall. And he was wearing these ginormous overalls. I was like, my mind was just like, I, I don't even know what to think. And I wasn't going to say anything. And guess what? I didn't even have to because I had two little people that were. <laughs> and Hayden, mom, mom. I'm like, oh, I got to find your mom because I'm not going to be her right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, mom. She stands up in the car. I'm like, sit down. And she's like, mom, look, look how fat that guy is. Mom, he's the fattest guy I ever saw in my whole life. He's the fattest guy in the whole world. And I am not looking at her. But you know who's looking at me? That man. He is not blinking. He is staring at me and he's shoving nachos in his mouth. I'm like, sir, this is not helping your case at all. And I am now trotting, right? I'm like, I've gone from walking to I'm like about ready to just become a cross-country runner with a shopping cart. Like, we're leaving. And he's staring at me. Hayden is mad that I am not responding to her, so she turns to her brother. Baba! He's like, I see him. I'm like, oh, great. And he's like, he's bigger than our car. In this moment, I'm questioning, God, why did you give me children? And why are we at Walmart? <laughs> so I'm like, stop it, stop it now. Look, he's so fat. And Hayden, you know, little kids, they like to say things that like rhyme. And I, I was trying to remember, I think what she called him was, he, he was the biggest fatty. He was a fatty boombalatti. And I was like, don't say that. Don't. And I want you to understand, neither one of them were being ugly. They were so fascinated. They thought it was the neatest thing they had ever seen. It was like being at the circus and we didn't have to pay. And I'm humiliated. I'm embarrassed. I'm angry, right? And so we get over to the toy section. I come around the car and I said, look at me. Look at me right now. And they're both like. I said, we do not talk about big fat people. We do not talk about people who are really, really skinny. We don't talk about people who are really, really tall. We don't talk about people who are really, really little. We don't talk about people who are missing their legs. We don't talk about people who are bald. We don't talk about women who have hair on their face. Do you understand me? <laughs> and I look up and this like, it had to have been like his first job. It was this kid working at Walmart's looking at me like, ma'am, you need to get help. He's down... <laughs> He's down at the end of the aisle, and I look at him like, go. This is not involving you. And I said, do you understand me? And, Ju and Hayden's just looking at Justice like, you are now our spokesperson. And he said, why? I said, why what? He said, did he not know he was fat? I said, yes, but we don't say stuff like that because it hurts people's feelings. And he said, why? And I'm just like at this, I'm like, where's your father? Why? Why did I come to Walmart without your dad? And I'm like, what do you mean why? And he goes, but it's just the truth. And in a little five-year-old boy's brain, he wasn't making fun of that man. They were actually really like, they would have gotten his autograph probably. They were like really impressed, but he wasn't going to give him an autograph. I promise you that. And they were just like, but why? I said, we just don't, okay? Because it hurts people's feelings. And Justice kept saying, but why? Because it is what it is. And I'm like, it's enough, stop. So fast forward, again, core memory, probably need therapy over it. Um, 
couple days later, we went to Olive Garden. I remember because that it was Olive Garden because it was very quiet. And most restaurants we went to was never quiet because we had children. And we walk in and there is a man that has lost both legs and he's in a wheelchair. And my son looks at my husband and says, Mom hates people like that. Don't talk about him. (laughs) So now my husband is looking at me like I'm failing at life. The man who has no legs feels like a horrible person. And my waitress probably is going to spit in my food. She's just like. (laughs) And I said, I never said. And Phil goes, what is he talking? I said, I was trying to buy plastic fruit, and there was a nachos, and this man, and Phil's like, what you're saying is not, you're not, what, what? and I'm like, I, I said, justice, I don't hate anybody, he goes, but we don't talk about people that are different, because mom doesn't like them, and I'm like, again, not what I said, not what I said, and I was, so here's the bad part, probably for a year, my children, when they would see somebody different, they would look at me and go, I know, we're not supposed to talk about them, <laughs> pointing at said person, and that person's like, and I'm like, I'm trying to find their mom right now, thank you. It was awful, and I, I thought about it. <laughs> I thought about this the other day, like, they lived, y'all, they're adults, they're, they, they survived, I just want you to know that. Um, I thought about this the other day, and I thought about how there's something so amazing about the innocence of children, just being honest, and no, we don't want them to be hurtful, but you know what? They weren't being hurtful then. That develops later on, right? Because it's not even in their mind. They don't know color difference. They don't, they don't, they don't understand that mean gene yet. That, that progresses like middle school, right? They're just being honest. And I was, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking how that has, that shifts into being something that we use to hurt people with. And then also how it shifts into how we live our life in our faith. Because somewhere along the way, now listen, if I say something that hurts your feelings today, here's what I want you to know. This is something I'm working through in me, okay? So you may have already arrived, and good for you, but I have not, and I'm working through this, and I'm just sharing my, my journey with you this morning. But I feel like somewhere along the way, we have this idea that by being honest with people means we're being mean. That if I tell you the truth, I'm a bad guy. Now, understand, I grew up where they, they told us all the time about going to hell. Like, VBS, they just told us we're going to hell. Camp, you're going to hell. We sang a song at kids' camp, Revelations 21.8, Liars Go to Hell. That was a song we sang. It was like, not, yeah, burn, burn, burn. What, what, what's wrong with us? It was like, <laughs> you went to the same camp. Yeah, you, we went, yeah. So I, don't, I want you to understand, please hear my heart. We're not going into this today like, hey, we got to start hurting people's feelings. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think we've, we've gone so far the opposite way. we got to find our way back to where Jesus is. Amen? So I, there's a, a book in the Bible. You'll find it right before Revelations. It's just one chapter. The book is Jude. He's writing a letter from prison. What's amazing is this letter is under 500 words. So... Um, he understood the assignment, said what he needed to say, sent it on. But I want to I look at Jude chapter 1. Well, it's only one chapter. Why am I acting like there's 15 chapters? 
Jude. We're going to look at Jude, the first five verses in Jude, first four verses in Jude. And here's what it says. It says, I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who love you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. And then he says, dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I'm urging you to defend the faith. Your translation may say to contend earnestly for faith. And that's such a, such a fantastic idea. I want to talk about that a little bit. The whole idea of Jude, if you're like, okay, what was Jude's purpose? Here was Jude's purpose. He's talking about how lies tickle the ears of people more than truth does. And you know what? That hasn't changed, Right? If you're like, yes, it has. No, it hasn't. People like to hear what they want to hear. People don't want to hear things that are uncomfortable. People don't want to hear things that make them have to be accountable often. We often allow false information to spread among us, and we are slow to put an end to it. Christians must stand firm against the false teachers, and Jude warns us about how they slip into the church spreading false teachings. He goes on to encourage readers to contend for the faith and help others that are wavering. So what I want to look at today, it's a little different today, but I want to look at the two sides of this because I think there's two, this, the pendulum swing, swings both ways and all of us in here, all of us, every single one of us, we fall on one of those sides. And if you're like, I don't want you to point me out, I'm not pointing you out. If you feel convicted, that's between you and Jesus, okay? But we, we fall on one of these sides. The first side is we hear the, we, the fight for your faith, and we want to fight. We want to do what's right, doing whatever it takes and saying whatever needs to be said in order to make the message of Christ heard. I want you to think about that for a moment. Have you ever had a Christian verbally attack you using Scripture? It's not a hallmark moment, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you this, I have. But I also have been on the other side, being the Christian, I'm just going to own it, that has used the word of God to hurt people. I have done that before. Not my proudest moment. But I, I understand sometimes we see things, you're like, well, that's wrong. People got to know. I got to tell them. And yes. But I want you to look at the way Jesus did things for a moment. Jesus didn't just march up to people and go, hey, you're going to hell. You know what he did? He ate with them. He washed their feet. He hung out with them. So I think maybe our approach needs to change a little bit that before we offer correction, before we offer opinions, we wash feet first. We have a meal. What does that mean? Relation. You guys all know what I'm talking about. You can take your, the faith aspect out of it. None of us want to hear people's opinions. You, don't want, you do not want to go to Kroger after church and go get something, have some stranger walk up to you. You know what you need to do? Like, you just get defensive. You're like, oh, tell me. This cart's what's protecting you right now. Keep talking. You know, like, well, who are you? Why are you talking to me? But if it's somebody that knows you, 
If it's somebody that's doing life with you, if it's somebody that's in your corner that you know has seen the good and the bad in you and they want you to succeed, when they challenge you, even when it's uncomfortable, you're open to receiving because there's a relationship. It's a relationship. Jesus, this is, this is how Jesus set it up. And so I think one thing we got to learn is that in this, sometimes we say things that are truth, but the heart behind it is harsh. I mean, how, okay. <laughs> Ask yourself this. The last time you debated somebody on Facebook, was your heart to prove that you were right and they were wrong? Or was your heart to bring glory to God and truth? Don't answer. You're like, why can't I just do both? Because that's not how it works. The reality is I think sometimes we just want to be right. But you know what? I think when we learn that we're not really ever right, that God's right, we're we're broken people in need of a savior. <laughs> we can take the, the pride off of us going, oh, I don't always have it together. Okay, good to know. So in looking at this, though, you've heard the phrase, truth hurts. Truth hurts. I've heard people say, well, they can't handle the truth. Truth hurts. They just got to grow up and deal with it. It's like, oh, well, that's awesome. And I want you to understand, truth does hurt. Truth does have pain. Truth is uncomfortable, but look at me. The pain that comes from truth shouldn't be from the person who's speaking the truth. It's the change that takes place that where the pain comes from. You know what I'm saying? The pain that comes from truth shouldn't be from an assault from somebody who was speaking truth. I believe truth is uncomfortable. I believe truth has pain. And the truth will be uncomfortable, but it was meant to set us free, not hurt us. And so if you're speaking truth in someone's life and they walk away more wounded from you than they were when they talked to you and you justify it as they couldn't handle the truth, you're missing the point. Truth sets people free. John 8, 32 says, You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. As someone who doesn't always like for people to speak truth into my life, but I know I need it, it's not comfortable. It's not fun to hear. But that's where freedom comes from. But if you come to me in love, Amber, God's got more for you than this. And you lay it out. I may not like it, but it's that, that love that you spoke that's going to challenge me to hear the truth and walk in freedom. So we've got a lot of people, and maybe some are in this room. I've been guilty of it. That you... You, you're like, look, I'm going to take hell with a squirt gun. I'm going to tell everybody what's going on, and they either like it or they don't. Not my problem. And how's that working out for you, by the way? And then you've got people that go to the opposite side. So those of you, we already talked to you. Let's talk to the other group, okay? The opposite side. Let me give you, you may or may not have ever seen Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. I happen to love it. A lot of people are like, it's weird. But I, I, think there's, I, I think there's some really cool messages in there. In, the, in this, if you ever read Alice in Wonderland or whatever, the, the Red Queen, she's evil. In Tim Burton's version, she has this ginormous head. It's like the biggest head in the world. Now listen, my son had a huge head, and he did not grow into his head until he was 18. So when we saw that, I was like, she could be your mama. <laughs> He's like, you hurt my feelings. I'm like, you're all right. Um, but she had this big head. 
But what was ugly about her was her heart, not her head, right? But her courts, the people that surrounded her, saw her and saw how uncomfortable she was with that big old head that they created false things to make her feel comfortable. They would put on false big noses, false big ears, false extra fingers. They would take couch cushions and stuff them in their shirts to look like they were fatty boombalatties. I do think that's the word that she said. And they did all this to make her feel like what was wrong with her was okay. And I want you to understand something. Not only was it false in appearance, it was false in reality because, look at me, none of us are perfect. We can look at somebody who has major brokenness in their life and we don't have to pretend we have brokenness to relate to them because we do. It may not be like theirs, We all have past. We've all got things we struggle with. We've all had sin. So we don't have to find a way to relate to make people feel comfortable. And I think about the Red Queen, and I think about the way she did things, and then when people's ears started falling off and their noses started falling off, and she was like, off with your head. She was so mad that they were fake. But the reality is, on the other side, our flaws, our handicaps, our shortcomings, our sins, they don't define us. However, we have to stop taking a semblance of the world to make the world feel more welcome. Let me say that one more time. We have to stop taking a semblance of the world to make the world feel more welcome. What does that mean? We got to stop dumbing down who we are so that people can catch up. And we got to trust that the Spirit of God in us is enough for them to get them where they need to go. Okay, so like what if a person comes to you, a friend comes to you, and the Holy Spirit's really convicted them? They're like, man, listen, my wife doesn't know this, my husband doesn't know this, my, my boss doesn't know this, but this is what I've been struggling with. The Holy Spirit has convicted them, and they're in a moment of really like recognizing this is, this is something I need to work on. Why is it in so much of our nature to go, oh, yeah. And we want to relate. And you know what's dangerous to me about that? And understand, I think our testimonies are powerful, right? Because then people are like, hey, I've been through that too. But I think there's a time and place. And I think that what's happened is we've taken the idea and the concept of testimony and turned it into every time God's doing something in somebody's life, we have to make them comfortable in it. And I'm going to tell you something, that that doesn't need to happen. Because what if, what if us saying, oh, yeah, interferes? with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And now they're like, oh, really? You struggled with that too? Oh, and your marriage is okay. And your children aren't feral. And you have a great job. So maybe I was misunderstanding God. Hello. Maybe what I thought was God trying to get my attention was just a burrito from last night. And it's not a big deal, like, right? Like we all sin. Hear me on this. The church has taken it too far. Oh, but we've all sinned. We have. But when the Holy Spirit's convicting somebody, let the Holy Spirit convict them. Don't interfere. Let me paint a better picture for you, maybe. Let's say that we got somebody standing right here, and they are on fire. Like real flames. Which is greater love? Oh, wow. 
you're on fire. I see you. I want you to feel seen right now. Do you see me seeing you? I see you. Oh, yeah. Is it hot? Ooh. Mm. I'm so sorry. Do you feel seen? I'm here. I'm not leaving. I'm going to watch you burn. Oh, wow, your hair just is gone. Oh, your hair's gone. Okay, okay, wow, ooh. You know what? When I was in first grade, we were around a campfire, and I accidentally burnt my hand. I'm not saying it's the same as you being on fire right now, but I understand the pain. Oh. You're not alone. I, I just, I want you to know that. You may have made a choice to let yourself get set on fire, and you know what? That choice is yours. Mm, I'm going to sit here and let you do you. God gives us all free choices. Or push them down and yell, stop, drop, and roll. Remember when we learned that? Use it. Throw water on them. Put a blanket over them. Pull them up. Are you okay? Your hair will grow back. Are you hungry? You smell like a campfire. <laughs> but I don't want to hurt them in pushing them down. Okay. See, I think we look at the fact that sometimes honesty and love, they might skin their knee, but it's better than burning up. And so we find ourselves stuck between the two. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, I don't want to be Debbie Downer and the harsh person that's screaming at everybody, but I also don't want to be the person that stands there and makes people comfortable burning. What, what's the middle ground? It's this or that. I think that's a great place because I'm going to tell you something. The middle ground is where you find Jesus. The middle ground is where you find what Jesus did. He set the example. And so, I, friend, I'm just encouraging you because, again, this is my journey. I'm working on it, too. I'm not saying, hey, I've arrived, follow me. I'm saying we've got to start an, analyzing how we respond to things and go, wait a minute. Is my words helpful? Is my words truth? Is my words bringing life? They may be uncomfortable, but what's the motivation behind my words? This is the hang-up. And you can say, lady, look, I came because I thought Pastor Randy was going to be here today. I do not want to listen to you. The Bible tells us not to judge. You're right, it does. And actually, it tells us in Matthew 7, 1 through 5, do not judge others or you will be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And it goes on to talk about removing the plank from your eye before you remove the splinter from theirs. But you've got to understand what it's talking about there. That judgment is not talking about, hey, you're on fire. Let's deal with it. It's talking about condemning someone's soul. You and I do not have the right to look at anybody and judge their souls. But as long as we're living as children of God, we are called to bring as many people into the kingdom of God as we can. And that means we have to speak truth. That means you go, go home. Go home today. Pull up your social media and look. There's churches all over this country that have allowed all kinds of things that go completely against the word of God to stand into their pulpit. And you know what? The church just sitting there letting it happen. And you say, well, I don't like that. Then what are you going to do about it? Stand by and do nothing? Well, I will tell you this. In my opinion, the opposite of judgment is mercy. Mercy what is mercy? It's compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom is within one's power to punish or harm. Standing by and doing nothing is not mercy. Watching our brothers and sisters in Christ be deceived 
is not mercy. Not extending a hand when God's given you a hand to extend is judgment. Well, they made that choice. How many choices did you make when you were making, doing stupid things and somebody came along and they spoke truth and it helped you find freedom? Nobody. Think about that again. Maybe it was a preacher. Maybe it was your grandma. Maybe it was your mama. But when truth was spoken, it changes our lives. So what do we do? Ephesians 4.15 says, speak truth in love. See, a lot of people like this story from Jude, this letter from Jude, because it's short. And they're like, yeah, we're going to fight. I'm a fighter. Ah! But if you... <laughs> that, was my, that was my fight growl, sorry. Nobody was intimidated. I saw that. You're like... Mm-hmm, cute. All right. If you jump over to verse 22 and 23, here's what it says. And this is the dopest two verses in this book. It says, And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. There's a difference in looking at somebody and calling them what they struggle with. But what if, what if we recognize that none of us have arrived, that none of us without Jesus have anything to offer, but that because of Jesus, we are where we are. So if Jesus, maybe, again, maybe you've arrived. Let me tell you something. Amber Noble has a past, a shady one. But because of Jesus and his goodness, he's turned my life around. So if he can turn Amber Noble's life around, he can turn anybody's life around. So what if we start looking at people and we go, man, if he can do something with Amber, he can do something with them. And we start looking at them through the lens of the blood of Jesus. So instead of going, he's a freak, he's a failure, they make stupid choices, they're an addict, they're this. What if we stop calling people what the enemy has labeled them and we start speaking truth about what God says they are and we watch them find freedom? What if? Because I'll tell you this right now. If you're honest with yourself, all of us have sat quiet for far too long. We just don't want the controversy. We don't, ooh, I don't want to go there. Because see, discipleship, that is not telling somebody the truth and walking away. It's climbing into people's lives. It's saying, look, I can help you because of who helped me. You say, I'm not a preacher. Some of you guys, you're mechanics, you're builders. Bring somebody in. Teach them something. Ladies, this next generation needs to learn how to cook. Bring them in. Teach them. This next generation of boys are like, amen, please do. (laughs) You have something. Look at me. You have something to offer. You've got something. And God, you may not have arrived where you want to arrive, but God's got you this far. And what he's brought you through, he can help you bring somebody else through. Friend, I'm asking you, I'm begging you, stop being harsh and judgmental and mean and stop trying to identify with a sin Jesus paid the price for. Find the middle ground, speak truth, and watch God do what only God can do. He's good. He's faithful. I was talking to Phil this morning. We, we used to, we were a lot crazier in our younger days of ministry. We used to have kids that were on drugs come live with us all the time. I had small children. I have drug addicts in my house. 
with this one boy who I loved. My gosh, we loved him so much. But he was majorly addicted to cocaine. And he was, he was tall and strong. And I heard him up one night at 3 in the morning, and the Holy Spirit was like, he's about to bounce. So I got up, and I went in there. And he just looked at me. He's like, get out of my way. I said, oh, little boy, you don't wake me up at 3 o'clock in the morning and talk to me that way in my house. And he bowed up at me, and I just gently pushed him against the wall. And I said, I'm going to tell you something. And I didn't call him an addict. I didn't call him a loser. I didn't call him a liar. I didn't call him a failure. I said, you know what? God has a plan for your life. I was able to speak truth that contradicted the lie he was living. And here's the coolest part. I'm married to this amazing human being that comes in. I tag out, he tags in. He's, I'm going to tell you something. And he begins to speak truth. And we, one by one, kept tagging in, tagging out. All night, that little boy broke. He sobbed. Now, I'm not going to tell you that his journey wasn't hard. It was hard. But right now, he's a grown man serving the Lord, completely free from drugs. And you know why? Because of you. No. Because of the truth of God's word. It changes lives. But when we make it our narrative, when we make it our agenda, that truth cuts and hurts. When we make it what it's supposed to be, something that brings freedom and hope, it'll flip people's lives upside down. So with everybody looking at me, I want to tell you this. You may have family, you may have children, you may have friends that they are struggling and hurting and you don't know what to do. Here's what you do. Speak truth and love. Get in their life. Get in their situation. If you know that they have an addiction that happens between this hour and this hour, show up at their house between those hours and bring a board game and a lasagna. <laughs> if you know that they're, 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 they're dealing with something, get involved. Speak truth. And then recognize you can't fix them, only God can, so take the pressure off. Love them, pray for them, and watch Jesus do in their lives what he's done in mine. Because it's so good. And it's so precious. But my friend, I have to tell you, it's time we talk. It's time we speak up. It's time we use the voice that God gave us. And we stop being afraid of a world that's dragging people to hell. And give them the truth that will set them free and turn their life around. It's up to you and me. We're here for a reason. Don't say, well, they need to pay meet Pastor Randy. No, they need to meet you. They need to meet the God that's in you. They need to meet the anointing that's on your life. And watch what God does with that. Bow your heads with me all across this room. If you're in here and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, my goodness, it's the most important decision you will ever make in your life. It's not a simple prayer said. It's a decision that starts with a prayer of turning your life around and fully submitting to Him. If you've never made that decision, if you know you need Him to be the Lord of your life, I would love to pray with you right now. So if that's you, would you lift your hand? We would love to put a Bible in your hand. If there's anybody in here that does not have a relationship with Jesus and you know you need it, can we pray with you? Now, I'm going to assume that means all of us are part of the family of God, and I think that's cool. So here's the next one. If you can say, I'm not going to ask you what side 
you fall on, because I'll tell you, I've fallen on both. There's times that my words have been harsh and mean, and there's times that I have coddled and enabled. But God's calling us to that place where he's at, where we serve and love and then speak truth, where we don't hide who we are and we definitely don't hide who he is. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I've already admitted I'm there, I'm working through this myself. If you're in this room or if you're online and you can say, I, I want to do better about speaking truth. Maybe that's in love. Maybe it's just in general. I want God to use the words. I want God to use my life. I want to make a difference in people's lives wherever I go, in the workplace, in the grocery store, at the playground, in the schools, in my home. I want to make a difference. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up so I can pray with you? Me too, man. Awesome. Why don't everybody stand? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just come to you right now and I thank you for every person here, every person online. God, I thank you that your word is alive and active, that it's meant to change our lives. It's meant to continually mold and shape us. Lord, for those of us that have been harsh, for those of us that have been judgmental, forgive us. For those of us who've sat quietly when you've called us to speak, forgive us. But Lord, help us to look at people, not as what they are, but what they were created to be. Not as liars, as thieves, as cheaters, as murderers, as addicts, but as blood-bought children of the Most High God with a plan and a purpose. Lord, help us to see them the way you intended for them to be seen. And help us to speak that truth over their life. And God, I pray right now that every, every time we speak truth, they encounter you. And Lord, you do exactly what you came to do, and that's to set people free. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. Help us to not let a day go by where we don't give glory to your name and tell the world about your goodness. In your precious, precious name, amen. Hey, go make a difference in this world. Go love people and make sure they feel loved. Enjoy your 4th of July, and if you need prayer, we've got a prayer team up here. We love you. We'll see you next week.